This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, I'm going to watch it as we are in the dog days of July and... You know, guys, we're getting closer and closer. Big Ten Media Days just a couple of weeks away as Nebraska will be out there. Uh, Adrian Martinez, Khalil Davis, um, as well as Muhammad Barry representing the Huskers in Chicago in a couple of weeks with Scott Frost on day one. Um, and it leads me to this. I wanted to start off today's show as, as, as we like to do in July. We like to talk big picture and kind of look at the, the, the realm of things going into this 2019 season. And my question out of the gates to start this show off is, what would define a successful season in 2019? By the way, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus here in studio with me um, here for the show. But as I start to look at this season, it, is it about the wins? Is it about the improvement? Is it about simply winning the West? Is it about simply closing the gap and, and winning some of these games that matter? Because I think if you polled a lot of different people you'd get multiple answers from everybody on kind of what defines a great season. Cause we've had nine and three seasons here at Nebraska that we've watched 10 and two type years um, where championships weren't won and they were, they lost when it mattered in the championship game and the bowl game where, you know, I, I think that's where it starts. They've got to win. I believe a meaningful game early, whether it's Ohio state or Wisconsin um, and, and, and get the momentum and show that this is heading in the right direction. Yeah, for me, it's it's all about wins. Uh, I think last year, that's where you kind of got your moral victory type stuff to where, uh, you know, you saw how terrible thing, things were for the first six games and the bounce back turnaround that they made for the second half of the season. Uh, I think that, you know, fans could at least accept that. I mean, it was a four and eight season, but it was a much different four and eight from the year ago. Now, in year two, Things need to be a lot better. You need tangible evidence that this thing is getting back on the right track. And for me, that certainly, without question, means going to a bowl game and a decent bowl game. Uh, you know, not necessarily saying college football playoff at this point, but you know, they need to be in the realm of the the Outback Bowl or whatever it is. Capital One or yeah. Citrus Bowl uh, or I, I say Holiday that, Bowl. Yeah, I say that because they have the two biggest X, X factors that define college football they have a star quarterback and they have a, an easy schedule they have an easy path to get there and so i mean the table is set more than it's been in a long long time for nebraska to make that next jump and you know scott frost was brought here to win he wasn't here to sit there and have feel good stories and stuff like that i think that now uh with everything that's you know at on the horizon here for this program uh the wins need to start coming and i would say at minimum in my opinion flip the record Eight and four. I think eight and four is kind of the the borderline of well, what Vegas I would is consider eight and a half now. Yeah, and so I think that's. I mean, I think that's reasonable. And anything above that is icing on the cake. Yeah, to me, it's all about wins too. Last year was when you could say, "Well, look, we're improving." Even though we, we don't have a good record, um, you could see tangible evidence where the, this team is getting better. We're improving. You can see where we're heading. Now you have to say, "Okay, we're now we're." Um, we're we're getting back to Nebraska now. We're we're in the mix for a, a Big Ten West championship. Or you the know, train is moving. The train is moving, and and I think that you have to you have to have tangible evidence of those wins, not just 
say that we're improving. You have to be able to say, okay, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, you're trending in the right direction. We're winning eight, nine games or we're, you know, we're, we're getting ready to take that next step to where we're winning 10 or 11 games or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to say they have to win the West in year two, but I think they have to be at the very least, like really like seriously in the discussion all the way up until, you know, at, at November at some point. Sure. That, that Iowa game needs to yeah. mean something. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I think that that game has to mean well, something. Well, and, and just even simply beating Iowa for the first time sure. in, in yeah. four years, they haven't beat him since Bo Pelini's final game um, as a head coach. That would be something. Beating Wisconsin for just the second time since joining the Big Ten Conference. That was only in Bo Pelini's last se- or 2012 season. They beat Wisconsin that year. Um, I mean, those things just haven't happened <laughs> very often yep. um, since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten. But right now, Vegas is up to an eight and a half. It started at an eight. But as far as the early numbers go on point spreads, Nebraska is a point spread favorite in 11 of 12 games. Only game they're a dog right now is Ohio State on the way too early lines put out on, I don't know what you call those, the ones that come out way early. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get a lot of these three-point, four-point lines. Yeah, basically pick them. So whoever's the home team is the three-point favorite. That's how it is in the NFL. And that's how Nebraska football has become. It's become NFL Sunday-type lines since they joined the Big Ten. I mean, I remember my early days in the Big 12, there were games where they were – I mean, it was a routine 40-, 50-point Vegas lines <laughs> – um, where, I mean, it was like you can play your worst game and still win by 40. Yeah. Yeah. Them days are gone. I know, I know. And it's so, been a long time since that's happened. So, so going along with that, I mean, not only is the record important to me, but uh, they need to be the team <laughs> they were at the end of last season to where the games are constantly competitive. No more Michigans. No more embarrassing blowouts where fans are turning the game off at halftime. And that goes without saying, but – those have become so common over the last three years that uh, they they just can't happen anymore. And, and so the wins would obviously take care of that. But even in the losses, they need to be good losses. They need to be ones where this team is in the game in the fourth quarter with the chance to win uh, and just you know, make fans proud of what's happening. And I, I think that that certainly turned in the right direction at the end of last year. But Again, we haven't gone a season in the last how many years without Nebraska being embarrassed in a major way in at least one game over how many of the last years? Yeah, and usually those happen on like national television in, at night, at night, like in the worst possible times. And then the it, tweets just unload. Yeah, and it's like, oh, here we go <laughs> Nebraska's again. Nebraska's back. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that for next year to be considered a success i think you have to you have to get to a point where you're having like at least every now and then some legitimate national pub where wow. people are talking about you and, and and talking about what's going on in lincoln nebraska because it's been a long time since that's happened what, yeah, i mean i mean i don't remember the last time where you really had a season where people are like hey what well, don't look now but Maybe football was back in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, and Mike Riley, you know, it, it was weird. But when they were seven and zero, and then they took Wisconsin to overtime in Madison, and they lost that game at they were seven and one. They were in the top ten for a month. Yeah, um, but it was a weird feeling. You know, it it was like just a dirty feeling. You just needed to take a shower. It just didn't feel right that they were seven and one. And then Ohio State and Urban Meyer exposed that yeah. the following week, but. You know, the week before that, Wisconsin took Ohio State to overtime. So, you know, it was – but it was, as we said many times on the on this show, that wasn't close. But what scares me, guys, is the Big Ten West. 
I think there's five or six teams that think they can win the West right now. Basically anybody but Illinois. Poor Lovey. Yeah. I mean, seriously, though. I mean, you can make a case for every single team in the Big Purdue's Ten West. Purdue's going to have a tough time of it, but they're still going to be a bear. Yeah, but they still have an experienced quarterback with Rondell Moore. I mean, that is going to take you a, a long way. And, you know, they have one of the better coaches in the conference in Jeff Brom. So, I mean, they're, they're going to be – a fight. Northwestern's going to be a fight. Iowa's going to be a fight. There's no cakewalks. Yeah, and no. so so while you don't have that, you know, maybe the, the typical Wisconsin where they're the clear favorite, you have, like you said, five teams that you could make a legitimate case for why they're going to win the division, and Nebraska's certainly included in that. I mean, I think they're just as talented as anybody else in that division, and then you pair that with the schedule, Nebraska has the track to win this thing, and so that's why I say that, and I, I think we've all kind of echoed the same sentiment that, uh, you know, not only does the record need to flip this this no late late november games need to have significant impact in not only just determining the conference but postseason fate for nebraska as well you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan robin washett here i've got a lot to talk about here on the show but i wanted to pass this message on first if you are interested in being a part of the husker online show we're looking for some sponsors here for the upcoming season uh, to have your business read and represented here on not only our online uh, airing of the show, but we're aired statewide on multiple affiliates, including in Omaha, Lincoln, Kearney, Grand Island, Hastings, Fremont. Um, so take advantage of being a part of the Husker Online Show. Drop me an email at Sean, S-E-A-N, at HuskerOnline.com. We'd love to get a chance to talk about your business live here on the Husker Online Show. But uh, when we come back, guys, we are going to shift the, the topic of conversation over, uh, we're going to discuss the second half of Nebraska's schedule. Last week, we talked about the first six games. We're going to talk about the final uh, six games on the schedule and kind of what that looks like for Nebraska. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we are talking some summer football topics here. And last week we went through Nebraska's first six games of the season, kind of gave you a rundown of what we thought. South Alabama, Colorado, Northern Illinois, Illinois, Ohio State, and Northwestern. Now we're going to look at the back end of the schedule, which includes two bye weeks, um, I think it's two years in a row, Robin, where Nebraska will have two bye weeks based on the calendar. It's weird. Somebody once explained it to me on years when there are um, 13 Saturdays between Labor Day and Thanksgiving, there's one bye week. But then there's two years where there's or two out of every seven where there's 14 Saturdays. Weird. So, because, you know, there's the, yeah. the, how the. the no, no, the, I get it. The, and they, they don't ever want to start college football. And I think there's a, a strong push to just go to a 14-week season and on the years before that, just start it a week earlier. Yeah, um, and I'm with that. Like, the, the idea of only getting one bye week over the grind of a season, I mean, that's that's a lot to ask these college players. So I think having two bye weeks, I think that's that should be the, 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 the standard. The standard going forward, yeah. Well, Nebraska only had one bye last year, but that was eaten up by the Bethune-Cookman game, right? Yeah. Correct. Because they had no buys. No buys. So this year, and get. my other argument for having two buys, like we're going to see the next two years, is it gives you flexibility for the hurricanes and for the weather and for the exactly. things that we dealt yeah, with, the unforeseen things that are becoming more and more common every year. Like I guarantee you, there's going to be a game or two that get affected and probably postponed or rescheduled because of weather at some point this year. Yeah. I guarantee it. 
But anyway, so the back half of the schedule has two buys um, over over that period. After Nebraska plays Northwestern, they'll come. They'll play Minnesota the next week at Minnesota. That's a huge game out of the gates um, for the second half of the schedule. The Gophers have maybe one of the more favorable schedules of anybody. Uh, they've got some sneaky hard games though. They play South Dakota State, who's a top five FCS team. They play at Fresno State, who is really good. Um, they've had a good run at least there. Um, the last few years. Um, so they've got a couple things in front of them, but Minnesota at, out of the gates. I mean, I know they're circling that game as they could be potentially one loss or undefeated. Well, and Minnesota is kind of one of those teams that's just flying under the radar. I mean, I think a lot of people roll their eyes when they think of them just because they're worn out by the PJ flex shtick, but they, Purple pants. <laughs> yeah, but they, they still, I mean, they have a lot to work with, especially offensively. Uh, you know, I mean, last week we talked about, uh, their backfield uh, and just the fact that they have four capable running backs of being thousand yard rushers if, if they're all healthy. And then uh, one of the best wide receivers, not only in the Big Ten, but in all college football and Tyler Johnson. So, I mean, they, they've got weapons. And, you know, you, you, with P.J. Fleck kind of slowly starting to build that thing the way he wants. I mean, the, whatever you think of the guy, the guy's won. And so, I mean, you, you have to think that Minnesota is going to be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. And then going to Minneapolis – uh, Nebraska hasn't fared all that well the last couple times they've been up there. So, I mean, that's that's not a game that Nebraska fans should be looking overlooking no. whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, they were one of the youngest teams in the conference yeah. last year. And they returned everybody. If not the youngest. Yeah, they returned everybody. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm not a P.J. Fleck fan. But at the same time, the guy has produced some results. And you're starting to see a little bit of a turnaround there in Minneapolis. So, um, I mean, it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a game that they're going to be up for. Obviously, having Nebraska come in, especially if Nebraska just gets done beating, you know, Ohio State and Northwestern right. back to back. I mean, shoot, that that would be the game of of Minnesota's schedule probably having an undefeated Nebraska coming in there. That tackle from IMG Nate on Minnesota. He's like 400 pounds. Yeah, he's the biggest player in college football. He's, he's a monster. 6'9", 400 and some pounds, yeah. I mean, I, I know Nebraska's staff, They the guys were like, holy cow. I, got, I mean, like they pulled his red shirt last year. They played as a true freshman. And, I mean, he's going to be an NFL-level guy on that line. And they got four good backs. But, all right, then they got a bye after Minnesota, which will be a physical game, um, and come after a very physical stretch of seven straight games. Then you play Indiana. Then you play at Purdue. Um, you know, Indiana – Nebraska just has not played them a lot where you know, you don't have a lot of familiarity. Have they even been to it's Lincoln? It's the first time they will be to Lincoln since like the 70s. Okay, I, I was going to say Nebraska's been there once. Yeah. That is like of all the years Nebraska's been in the league. You know, they're, they've been in the league eight years in Indiana, and they've only played them one time. Mm -hmm. Same with Maryland, right? Well, yeah, and Mar but Maryland was a late joiner. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying of the, ori oh, yeah, the yeah, original yeah, 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 Big yeah. Ten team. So that that's just one – it feels like a non-conference game. I know. Me. It's strange. So, yeah, it's unique. Uh, I mean, they played them fairly recently. Was it 15, 16 when they went out there? And Nate Geary had a monster game. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I mean, I think that's a game Nebraska should win, certainly, because it is at Memorial Stadium. And Indiana, you know, they're they're better, but they're going under a lot of transition as well, not only with their coaching staff, but, you know, they got a lot of pieces to fill, uh, especially on defense. So that should be a game Nebraska wins. Yeah, yeah, that should be a game that Nebraska wins, but – um, you know, I, and Tom Allen's done a, a decent job there since since taking over. So, uh, and he's a likable guy. Yeah, we, we had we, breakfast with him. He yeah. came up and just started <laughs> talking to Nate and I at yeah. breakfast. Um, yeah. at one of the satellite camps yeah, this year. Super, he's a great super guy, likable guy, and has a nice staff. So, 
Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but that should be a road game that you know. If it's Nebraska, a home game, um, or yeah, home game that Nebraska should be uh, should Especially be able to take care of. It. Yeah, I mean that should not be an issue. Now they go to Purdue. That's an interesting one. I think the next week, and and I think a lot of that is when will that game be played? Um, I feel like when you get that game at 11 a.m. noon out there, um, it's a it just I don't know, it just there's no atmosphere. But you know, if that's a night game and they're they're ask, ask Ohio State, they're good. <laughs> the Breakfast Club is yeah. going to have all Breakfast Club is like their pregame drinking deal out yeah. there where they'll um, dress up in costumes and go to the bars like at 5 a.m. and all the bars. Did Reynoldson early. go? But yeah. he, he didn't. Did he drink? I don't know. I think he had to work, so I hope he didn't drink. He had he had a girlfriend <laughs> out there. He was hanging out with too so uh anyway we won't talk about matt much longer here but um yeah that was a fun trip um uh, but that game yeah jeff brom you know that's a that's a tough one i mean that that's going to be a one of those point spread that's like three four points either way yeah take the over on that one yeah absolutely yeah the over <laughs> is definitely the way to go on that one then another buy november 9th you get a buy so plan your weddings get your family pictures taken that weekend get your Garage cleaned, rake your leaves, Nate. I know you'll have that on your list of. Uh, actually, we might send you out to a road game that weekend somewhere for high school. But then November sixteenth, Wisconsin in Lincoln. I mean that, that that's a. I mean it's a, it's a later Wisconsin game in Lincoln. It might be one of the latest that we've seen with the Badgers coming to Lincoln. Yeah. Now, yeah, the, yeah. now Nebraska's gone out there late. We've seen snow in Madison. Yeah. And usually uh, that's like the the Big Ten opener, one of those first early. You it's know. usually the first or second game. Other than that Early one time when Dan Hoppin didn't bring a jacket and a stocking cap, and it was it was like literally like <laughs> ten degrees out in Madison. It was freezing that trip. So that's a game that obviously is going to have major implications with the Big Ten West. But that could, especially if somehow that's a night game um, or even a, an afternoon game, uh, that's going to be a special environment because this one means a lot to Nebraska fans. Wisconsin has. Put it to Nebraska, um, <laughs> basically since they joined the conference. And they're about as and, vulnerable as it gets and, right now. And they've rubbed it in Nebraska's face, too. And so I think that there's going to be uh, a lot of incentive for that to be a game that Nebraska finally gets its revenge. And then, obviously, I mean, with all the uh, implications that it could have on the season, um, that is you, you would mark that as maybe one of the top three most important games in the season, in my opinion. Well, and Barry Alvarez, like, he kind of sandbagged Nebraska, like, sticking them with I-Course, which led to Riley. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's more to that deal, I Nate, than, oh, yeah. than just this the, the on-field stuff to me. Yeah, and I don't think there's any love lost between Paul Christ and Scott Frost either. Which is weird. Yeah, I don't I don't quite get that or understand Paul Christ it. is a weird dude. Yeah, he is a strange dude. Like, I saw him in the lobby in Chicago last year, and he just, like, he just looked like – was it at the game last time when he like they? It looked like he was dropping an f bomb. Yeah, like, Sam asked yeah. him about that on the conference call, and he just kind of said, "Oh, I was talking to my headset to the coaches." Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> think so. I'm sure. Just like when they played Miami, yeah, f the turnover, f the turnover yeah. chain. Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, he had some words for Nebraska too during yeah, that game. So very much. Yeah, clearly that's a game. You know, Wisconsin wants to not only beat Nebraska, they want to embarrass Nebraska, and so I think this is going to be. Big time revenge uh, opportunity opportunity for Nebraska. Now then, Maryland on the road, November twenty third. Um, you know that that won't be a night game. We know that. No. Um, that's because Nebraska on a short week. They don't have to play a night game, so it's either going to be a noon or three thirty game um, local time. A ton of Nebraska fans will be at that game. That's the first time Nebraska's played at Maryland since joining the Big Ten. Maryland's going to be like a one two win team at that point. They'll have no fans of the game. That might be a game, guys. I'll call my shot now. Or there'll be as many Nebraska fans in that stadium as Maryland fans. Yeah, 
and which is crazy because it's like literally the furthest venue away in the conference. But yeah, I think that that's it's an easy flight, relatively easy. You can go to Baltimore, DC. Uh, you get this, there's direct flights from that, right? Yeah, you can go Omaha to Reagan on both Delta and also um, Southwest. So yeah, and so it's a hop, skip, and jump away. Two and a half hour Park. flight on those, and then it's a half hour ride. I looked it up um, via Uber to our hotel in College Park from. Reagan. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an easy, easy trip. Yeah, a lot t- of people go to Baltimore too, though. Tickets will be cheap. I mean, I, I think that's going to be like, yeah, that's going to be a game just because of the uniqueness the fact that Nebraska has never been out there. Uh, but also, you know, it, it's easy to get to and you can do some other stuff and make a weekend out of it. Then Iowa, the Iowa then game, Iowa. last game of the year, Nate, one thirty. BTN's going to have that game at one thirty. BTN wanted that game. They moved things around and that was one of their premier picks to get that game and put it at 1.30 and potentially have, like, their own kind of college game day in Lincoln if this game has any implication for the West. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it's kind of a unique time, and and I think they're kind of yeah, – the feeling I get is that BTN's kind of putting their all their eggs in one basket expecting there to be something on the line for this game. Um, and it's the last time Nebraska plays Iowa – for the for a couple years, right? The, the, the I-course break. Yeah, yeah for, the, for the Black Friday. The two-year yeah. hiatus. Yeah, so – so, yeah, I mean, I think that if things are going well, obviously for both teams, there's going to be a lot on the line for that game, and, and you're going to have your own unique window there. And um, and there's nothing more than Nebraska fans would like at this point in time than yeah. to take, get a take, take all that Wisconsin yeah. anger and frustration and amplify it by about 10 for yeah. Iowa. Yeah, you could yeah take Colorado and Wisconsin and – and I mean whatever else, and amplify it into there. I I think this is going to be that's going to be a monster game, and uh, yeah, I think a, a huge opportunity for Nebraska to go ahead and finally take care of some business and and quit the you know kind of get those Hawkeyes keep them from chirping more. So we've gone through the schedule. What's your regular season record prediction? I'm nine and three today. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I, like I said earlier, I think eight and four is kind of the the basement basement of what they should do. But I think nine and three is certainly reasonable, and I'll give them a little leeway for some slip up games. But uh, I think that would be a very successful year two under Scott Frost. Yeah, I'm at nine and three too. I think that's I think it's doable. Um, you know, and if you catch a breaker here or there, then who knows? Ten, ten wins is ten. not out of the question. Nine and yeah. three could still win the West too. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, very good. All right, well, guys, we broke down the schedule. We're going to talk more about Big Ten defensive players next. Uh, we did a ranking, the Big Ten defense. Robin and I and Nate will give our thoughts on just where Nebraska's at in the league amongst the top defensive players. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Watchett, Nate Klaus, as we just broke down the schedule. I love breaking down the schedule, guys. It just gets me geared up because i think about trips rob and i think about friday nights on the road oh, best part of the job we've had try to think now you did eight years seven years of Polini with me mm-hmm. three with riley one with frost this will be our 11th year traveling together yeah since 2008 we've had a lot of times but we're talking defensive players here now in the conference um you know and, and we're going to go down the line here and, and just kind of Look at where Nebraska might have some guys ranked. And uh, spoiler alert, they don't have a lot of guys ranked in the top five of the conference coming back on defense. Um, but starting off defensive end, can he, is it Wilkes? Willikus. Willikus, I'm sorry. Willikus from Michigan State. 
just an animal. He's back at defensive end, destroyed Nebraska last year, destroyed everybody, was arguably the top defensive player in the conference. Yeah, he won D-lineman of the year. So, you know, he's back. And then you got A.J. Epinesa, former five-star, first-round draft pick projection guy at Iowa. He's back. Who didn't even start last year. Chase Young, Ohio State, um, another first-round type of guy on the edge. He's their new Nick Bosa. For the Buckeyes. Um, and then for Penn State, Yuter Gross Matos. Yeah, I don't know how exactly, but it looks like Yuter Gross Matos. Um, he's he's going to be their stud. And then um, for Northwestern, Joe Gaziano um, is back there as well. So thoughts on that group? I mean, once again, this is a group that produces a lot of NFL players in the league, and it looks like there's more NFL first-round, second-round type guys coming back. Yeah, and so Kenny Wilk as being number one is kind of the start of a theme you're going to notice as we go through this list. Michigan State is loaded on defense, and Kenny Willekes is kind of at the forefront of that. Uh, I mean, he was the second-team All-American, defensive player of the year, first-team consensus, first-team All-Big Ten player, uh, and he sets the tone. And like I said, Mich- you're going to hear a lot of Michigan State players as we go on with this. Yeah, well, A.J. Epinesa is a guy for me that I'm really excited about. Um, it, I mean, it's just the numbers he put up for not being a starter last year unbelievable. is unbelievable. It was like a 50-50 deal, though, right? I mean, he just wasn't the starter. I mean, they split the reps. I mean, it's not like he didn't play a lot. Uh, he still played a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I think that just tells you just how good their defensive line was last yeah. year. When, to keep a guy like that out of the starting lineup is is pretty incredible. But I, I saw him in person at a couple camps this summer that his brother, who's, who's going to be a senior this year in high school, and holy cow! I mean, he's an impressive-looking football player. Was he in St. Louis at the Rivals camp? No, he was at the uh, well, yeah, he was at the Rivals camp, and he was also at the Lindenwood camp in St. Louis. And and he's a uh, he's a load. So and his dad played in the NFL. Was a, I think he was an All American in Iowa too. So I mean, that's one guy in a really deep group that is going to be pretty scary this year. Now moving on to defensive tackle, another Michigan State guy, number one, uh, Raquan Williams leads the way. Robert Windsor from Penn State. So Penn State's got a good D-line coming yeah, back. Um, you know, the third guy on the list is another Michigan State guy, Mike Panasuk. Mike Panasuk. Panasuk. I'm just, I'm just destroying right. his name. The only reason I know that is because uh, the Michigan State beat writer for Rivals told me how to pronounce it. So Lorenzo Neal, uh, back for Purdue. He'll be really one of the key guys for them. He's looked at as a draft pick. And then we went on a limb here. We put Darian Daniels, Robin, number five. And, you know, if he was still in the Big 12, he might be a top five or probably would be a top five big lineman in the Big 12. And from what we know, he's going to be a difference maker in this conference. So part of that had to do with when you look at the defensive tackle position in particular, there just wasn't a lot returning. I mean, you could it's kind of a toss up once you got past those top three, maybe even four. And so you combine Darian Daniels, yeah, I mean, he was expected to do big things at Oklahoma State, but uh, not only that, but just the impact he had in a very short amount of time at Nebraska and the praise that Nebraska's coaching staff kind of gushed over him uh, in, you know, just right away, right out of the gates. You know he's going to be a huge factor on and off the field for this defense. And so if Nebraska's defense is going to be good, especially in that front seven, Darian Daniels is going to have a major impact on that. Yeah, I mean, on both sides of the football, you've got to have guys up front, and especially in the Big Ten. And, and so Nebraska's going to have to have some guys step up, and I think Darian Daniels is going to be one of those guys. I mean – I've been surprised so far by what he's brought to the table. Um, it just just by how much the coaches have really gushed over him. 
um, you know, he, he's he's I think he's poised to have a pretty darn good year. Well, and then moving on, guys, here as we look at top players in the conference, inside linebacker, another traditionally strong position in this conference. Um, leading the way, Patty Fisher from Northwestern, who seemingly has been at Northwestern for all eight years. Nebraska's been in the conference. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just, he's only a junior. It, it just, his impact. <laughs> then you got Joe Bocci, number two for Michigan State. So to recap, Michigan State has the number one D end, um, two of the top three D tackles, and the number yeah, two yeah. inside linebacker. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good stout middle right there. Nebraska doesn't play them this year, so yeah. good good <laughs> year not to go to East Lansing. Uh, Muhammad Berry. From Nebraska, number three, Blake Gallagher, another Northwestern guy. So the, the the Wildcats have some guys coming back. And then Thomas Barber from Minnesota um, will be a real, real strong guy for the Gophers coming back. But Muhammad Berry, number three, Robin, your thoughts on, on kind of why we went with him in that in that spot in the, de- in the defensive rankings here? Well, I mean, he's the heart and soul of the defense and one of the faces and voices of the entire team. But beyond that, uh, he's the most productive defender Nebraska has, uh, and by a lot, large stretch. I mean, he had, what, 112 tackles last year, becoming the first Nebraska player to have a 100-tackle season since 2014, which that's more of a reflection of how bad things have been than maybe it is how good Muhammad was. But, uh, I mean, he's as good as uh, a lot of people on that list. I wouldn't quite put him in that same category as, you know, a Patty Fisher or even a Joe Bocci, but, I mean, he's – He's certainly close, and you know, you look at just the the drive he has. I mean, every single off-season workout video, it's Muhammad Berry front and center, and you hear reports from uh, just the, some of the summer workouts they're doing with the program and whatnot. Muhammad Berry is the guy driving everyone else. So that was kind of more of a vote is not only what he's done on the field, his importance at a position that is as thin as any position on the depth chart, uh, but also his leadership. I mean, this guy is going to be what makes Nebraska's defense tick, uh, and they're only going to go as far as Muhammad Berry takes him. Yeah, he's definitely the heartbeat of, of that side of the football. And, um, I mean, and he's the guy that's, that's taken some younger guys under his wing. I think he knows this is, this is the last go-around for him. And so he's doing everything possible to make sure that this is a successful season, uh, not only for him – personally but i think for for the team too he wants to leave this you know this place better than than when he came in and, and i think that uh i think he's probably going to do that well we broke down uh, half of the top players here in the conference on defense uh, we're going to go through the rest of our list next here you're listening to the husker online show you're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show talking top defensive players here in the Big Ten as we are just about two weeks or less away, Robin, from being in Chicago, getting a chance to meet a lot of these guys at the Big Ten Media Day. Sean Callahan, Ron Washett, Nate Klaus. Want to talk about outside linebackers coming back in this conference. And I'll be honest, Robin, this is kind of a – a rebuilding year for for that position there's not that elite level guy coming back um that we've seen as far as like immediate you know top level first round draft pick yeah so carter coughlin from minnesota was our number one and he's interesting because he's listed as a linebacker Uh, everywhere has him as a linebacker but essentially he's a rush end i mean he comes off the edge and he rushes the passer i don't know how much he even does in coverage but 
He's really, really good at rushing the passer. He ranked second in the Big Ten in sacks, forced fumbles, and fifth in tackles for loss last year uh, and was graded by Pro Football Focus as one of the best pass rushers in all of college football. So, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that sets the tone, even though he's not your true outside linebacker. Um, I mean, that kind of shows that that position – there's so much hybrid to it that nowadays that it's kind of hard to really pinpoint what that position is anymore. Well, and to me, I just look at Carter Coughlin and go, well, that's a guy in Nebraska. The previous coaching staff didn't even offer. Whoops. So whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Second team, all, all big 10 last yeah. year. Where's he from Nate? He's from Eden Prairie high school. Went to high school with uh, JD Spielman. So he would, and that was, that was, I'm not saying Nebraska could have got him, but they didn't even like really try to recruit him. And so. Minnesota was under some, transition at that point yeah. I mean there was an opportunity to get him okay moving down outside linebackers Marcus Bailey Purdue he was their leading tackler a year ago um, so Lorenzo Neal Marcus Bailey two really good front seven guys coming back for Purdue uh, Micah Parsons number three Nate uh, guy that you know pretty well for Penn State um, he could be that breakout guy that emerges maybe as a high round NFL draft pick former five-star recruit that that's, enjoyed his time in Lincoln yeah that's my that's my prediction out of this group is that by the end of the season Micah Parsons is a household name he's a stud he's a freak of nature like he's a, he's probably he's in the top probably two or three like most athletic guys that I've ever seen in person so, he, so yeah, he led the team in tackles last year as a true freshman yep. becoming the first Penn State freshman redshirt or true ever to lead the team in tackles in a season so talk about immediate impact yeah, Lavar yeah. Arrington never did that yeah linebacker you never did that they did OJ Howard still like probably one of the most elite high school recruits I've seen in person yeah yeah he's right up there um and Monte Harrison to me is having seen him played play football baseball basketball yeah he's 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 right up there too but Micah Parsons I'm telling you he's going to be He's going to be gone after next after not this season but next season. He's he'll be a high high draft pick because he's freaky athletic. Malik Harrison, Ohio State, um, he's on there as well. Another outside linebacker. I mean, it's kind of reload, reload, reload. Ohio State just kind of continues to plug in really good guys there. But Harrison, eighty-one tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss um, this past season. Um, so he'll be a, a fixture. Then Zach, is it Bon? Bon from Wisconsin. Um, that that position's fallen off though. Right. For they them. lost three of their four starters. He's the one returning starting linebacker in that group. So Wisconsin's having to replace a lot in that front seven, and he's the one mainstay. And so I think by default, he's kind of looked at as the leader of that group of that defense in a lot of ways. That uh, you know, if Wisconsin's going to be at that same level defensively, it's going to be a large part because of the play of Zach Bon. And so. He got in at number five, but there were some other guys that could have made a case to get in there. But I think just because of his value to Wisconsin's defense this year, he got the nod over some of the others. All right, moving on to corner uh, number one from Michigan, uh, Lavert Hill. Um, you know, he he was a third team All American this past year, first team All All Big Ten selection as a junior. So on paper one of the top if not the top in the conference i think josiah scott you could also make a case yeah they're they're kind of one a one b right there um you know so michigan state another frontline player on that defense i mean they're loaded at all levels i mean they they could win the east i'm, I'm just gonna say if, that right now if they get the quarterback play with this new offense they're putting in michigan state might win the if East. if they have any semblance of an offense i mean if they can like just move the football forward I think that they have a very good chance. They, they were so bad 
on offense. They had like last 12 year. drops in the game it of Nebraska. Was, it was unbelievable how bad they Nebraska were. Nebraska should not have won that game no. in Lincoln. No. No. I mean, Michigan State like bloodied him up. They, they just couldn't, they couldn't do anything on offense. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually pretty embarrassing how bad the offense was. Yeah. I mean, that, that offense was absolutely when terrible. When that Nebraska defense held him to six points. Yeah. I mean, that says everything you need to know. And then you had DiCaprio Boodle, number three from Another Nebraska. Husker. So we, uh, so they got, they got, they got a guy at all three levels. So they got Darian Daniels, Barry. Muhammad Barry, and DiCaprio Boodle. Um, Jeffrey o, uh, Okudu, Okuda, Okuda at Ohio State. This is more fun to hear me mess these names up. I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to be the name reader here. Uh, John Reed, Penn State, uh, number five. So Boodle, number three, Nate. What do you think of that? I like it. I mean, he put up some very tangible numbers last year. I mean, the amount of PBUs that he had was was pretty incredible. Fifteen. Yeah, and so ninth nationally. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's. If that wasn't the top mark for all-time PBUs in a season at yeah, Nebraska, it it's got to be. It was the most since Fabian Washington had 15. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's really good. He's in some good company. Now, next thing is turning those PBUs into interceptions. Right. No picks. Yeah. Um, I think you know, Travis Fisher gets, should get a lot of credit for absolutely. the job he did with some of these guys. Well, there's yeah. a reason he got all those pass breakups because teams were testing him every single game. Mm-hmm. They were throwing at him and throwing at him and throwing at him, and he got beat. I mean, he got he certainly gave up his share of big passes and touchdowns, but uh, for the most part, he answered the call in a, in a big way. And I mean, the story of his is just even coming on Nebraska's radar at that satellite camp to yeah. now establishing himself as one of the better cornerbacks in the Big Ten Conference. I mean, that's about as uh, feel good of a story as you can get. Yeah, you you have to like everything about that, and um, and I know he kind of relished that role last year. You know, at first. I mean, it's never fun to get picked on, but you know, after a little while, I, I think he kind of embraced it and and knew that it was coming his way, and and uh, you know, he he certainly answered the answered the bell there, um, and was able to able to make some plays. I think that you know, not every one of those fifteen PBUs should have been an interception, but you would have liked to have seen you know maybe uh, just a handful of those kind of turn from a, a breakup to a pick cuz that's that's what this defense is predicated exactly. on taking the ball away you can't just knock the ball away you got to get up there and take it and that will continue to be driven into every one of those defensive backs heads as the season goes and on. the pass rush guys if if it's there like we think as far as the defensive line for Nebraska the secondary is going to look a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Nebraska is having to bring five, six guys to get to quarterbacks and still not getting to quarterbacks, it's really tough for those guys in the back end. We saw that a year ago. Yeah, makes all the difference in the world. If you can disrupt timing and make quarterbacks throw it earlier than you want to, all of a sudden your secondary looks a whole lot better. Yeah, I don't care I don't care what team you're talking about. If you know any team that has a good secondary, they chances are they've got a, a stud defensive line too. All right, Robin, kicker and punter as well. Without safety. Oh, we got oh gosh, safety. Uh, okay, where are we at on safety? We're at safety. Number one is Jordan Fuller from Ohio State, who I mean, third team All Big Ten last year, but he's kind of returning as the linchpin of that uh, Ohio State secondary. Michigan, Josh Metellus, Metellus. I don't even know how to pronounce it. So I'm like you, Sean. Anyway, he he's coming back. Uh, you know, for a very good Michigan State defense, he's going to be the guy running that show. Antoine Brooks from Maryland. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a second team all Big Ten uh, pick last year uh, who, you know, another one of those overlooked players that probably doesn't get enough attention as he should. 
Uh, and then Geno Stone from Iowa. They always have a safety. I know. And I know we caught some flack about that, putting him on there uh, because we left Deontay Williams off from oh, Nebraska. But Deontay but Williams didn't even start last year. I know. Year. He didn't start. Come on now. But the reasoning was, you know, pro football focus, who we rely on, you know, just for resource and data, had him as the, the basically all Big Ten graded, highest graded team. Take that into perspective, Geno Stone was also on that list. So what are we going to do, take him off? And then Marcelino Ball was another guy people questioned. He's a hybrid safety linebacker slot corner for Indiana that does so much in their defense that you can't put a value at him as just one position. I mean, they move him all over the field at what they call the Husky position. That uh, I mean, he, he's a guy that I think is going to be as important as any player on that Indiana defense. So uh, – have at it. All right, kicker. We got to keep it moving here. Kicker and punter. We're, we won't go through the full list. Anybody from Nebraska make kicker or punter? The only player was Barrett Pickering, and he came in at number five on our kicker rankings. And for as rough as his start to the year was, he really came on strong. I think he made like ten straight kicks to end the Michigan season. Michigan State kicks were amazing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he was the only guy that scored. I mean, he, his three field goals won them the game in in a blizzard's you know snowy afternoon freezing uh, cold yeah that was awful and so he really turned it on to where it was like a complete disaster with nebraska special teams but then he became a stabilizing force and really settled down and became the type of kicker everybody thought he was going to be as a scholarship uh, kicker recruit yeah i, I don't in the, the thing to me about those michigan state kicks is like like the game was on the line each and every one of those kicks like that was a potential game-winning kick, or they needed those points, each and every one of those kicks. It wasn't – and none of them, to me, were automatic chip shots considering the conditions and all that. So, um, yeah, that game to me really showed, to me at least, what what he's made of. All right, well, when we come back, we are going to shift over to recruiting as we do every week in our show, and we're going to stay on defense. Nate Klaus is going to give us a big-picture view of the defensive recruiting board and kind of Nebraska's key needs here down the stretch here in this second half of recruiting. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking defensive recruiting now, big picture, Nate. And, you know, I wanted to just get into your thoughts on on what the needs are. I mean, you kind of look at what Nebraska graduates. It's a very small senior class. There's just 24 seniors on this team overall, but only 17 are in scholarship, Nate, right? Actually, 15. Uh, today I mean that's before walk-on additions so you know there, there aren't a lot of just glaring big gaps of defensive players moving on but um, you know other than defensive line yeah, defensive I mean, line that's the five seniors on the defensive line yeah that doesn't happen very often I mean I don't recall the last time you had five scholarship guys along the defensive line that were especially when you play a three four yeah so to me that's that is the biggest need in this class um, they addressed some of those issues last year, but I think they still are going to need to to bring in, you know, probably at least four, uh, maybe even five defensive linemen in this in this recruiting class. A couple couple nose tackles and uh, and a couple defensive ends for sure. And I know at one point in time they were hoping to get three nose tackles: Perion Winfrey, Nash Hutmacher, and Jamar Sakona. Uh, obviously, Perion Winfrey has since gone to uh, gone to Oklahoma. 
um, you know, the the big Juco nose tackle there. But, uh, you know, I think that Perrion Winfrey and – or I'm sorry, uh, Nash Hutmacher, everyone knows Nash, and, and I think Nebraska's in a good spot there. And then Jamar Sakona, the, the big-time nose tackle out of Northern California, I think they're in a great spot there too. So they could still get two of arguably their, their top two players there at that position and, and be just fine. Uh, but, yeah, that whole group, defensive end, nose tackle – uh, I think is is very very important uh, for this for this staff in the 2020 class. Nate, um, I, I, I shared something with you, uh, kind of what Nebraska looks at when they kind of look for defensive guys, and you know there was just some interesting kind of key data points um, on that slide that I showed you, kind of on on what Nebraska specifically looks at. What jumped out to you about some of those things on there? Well, nothing too crazy, but. Um, you know, and at the nose tackle position, they like the guys who are 300 plus pounds, and so you know, and, and that's kind of what you what you want. I know that, big bone guys. Yeah, I mean, you want a big you want a big square plug there, a big you know, real strong guy uh, in that middle, uh, somebody who's going to command double teams and, and eat up a little space, but also somebody who can collapse a pocket and um, you know who's athletic enough to to you know be be a little bit of a problem for that offensive line, and so. Um, you know, nothing, nothing too glaring there, but, um, you know, and the big thing for, for ends and, and something that Eric Chenander always talks about or has always talked about since he got to Nebraska is length, um, whether it be defensive end or outside linebacker. I mean, they, they, they want guys with length there, um, on the, on the edge of the defense. And so, um, so that's kind of what they're looking for, uh, in the, in the defensive end is, is big tall long bodies there athletic bodies and guys that aren't afraid to, to hit um you know quick athletic strikers uh that have length and and so uh, all across that that defensive front that's what they want but especially in the middle they want big strong 300 pound plugs uh there that can that are going to command double teams and, and kind of open things up for other people too inside linebacker is an interesting one too nate because I mean, measurables are one thing, but really it's natural instincts. That's probably what they look for the most at that position. And Barrett Rude, I mean, who better than to diagnose a guy's natural instincts and maybe one of the more naturally instinctive linebackers in recent Nebraska football history. Yeah, I mean, you can tell if a guy is just a natural or not by what position they're always in. If, they're, if they always seem to be in the right spot at the right time or – or guys who can diagnose plays early on. I mean, that's that's what they want in that in that middle linebacker position. And and Barrett Root has said it several times now. The days of you know having that 240 to 250 pound big you know Dick Buckus you know middle middle linebacker. Those days are pretty much over. I mean, you still there still are times where you need somebody like that. But for, at the same time. You, you you need athletes that, that can diagnose plays and that are in position to make a tackle uh, and, and players that are good tacklers and um, and, and can run. And so, um, you know, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for guys, ath- athletes that can run and tackle. And um, and especially in the middle spot, they want they want smart, instinctive players as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus is talking some big picture defensive recruiting board things and you know, Nate, we saw Nebraska, they got their first defensive commit of the class earlier in June, um, Taman Lyman, you know, and, and somewhat under the radar um, just because he didn't have a ranking on rivals. But I'll tell you what, Travis Fisher, if we've learned anything about how he recruits, he's got a p- pretty specific 
set of prerequisites. I think year one, he kind of had to go off that sheet a little bit and just get guys in there and take a chance on a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys aren't even here anymore. C.J. Smith and yeah. um, you know some of the other defensive backs have left the program already. Uh, Cam Jones, um, etc. But you're starting to see really, I think, or we're learning a lot more about what Travis Fisher truly wants, the type of guys he wants in this program. Yeah, I think more more than not, he wants big, tall, long corners and safeties in, in that back end of the defense. Um, you know, and that's what Timon Lynham is. He, he's a big 6'2 guy that, that has tremendous length, and he wants physical football players. He wants guys that aren't afraid to hit. Um, and aren't afraid to mix it up a little bit and and uh, the, that are going to make plays on the football and, and kind of you know kind of create havoc in, in the back end of the defense and and in uh, versatile players you know guys that can play corner and nickel or nickel and safety or, or even all three positions and you know guys that he can kind of inter- interchange at any point in time and and kind of like the offensive line like Greg Austin talks about wanting to get in, wanting to get the five best offensive linemen on the football field. I think Travis Fisher wants to get the four best defensive backs on the football field, eventually get to the point where he feels like he can plug and play anybody. And they didn't have that a year ago. No, they did not have that a year ago. And, and you know, and I think they're getting closer to that, uh, especially with some of the guys they, they, they're bringing in as true freshmen, uh, like a Noah Pola Gates and, a, you know, Quentin Newsome and, and, and Miles Farmer and, and guys like that, but uh, J, J, Javen Wright. But they're going to be getting to the point where I think Travis Fisher will be able to feel comfortable kind of moving, moving anybody to any certain position position in the back end of that defense and, and feeling really good. And you saw that at central Florida, especially in that second year, just the type of athletes he had back there. And, you know, I I think they somewhat battle on finding the right type of Florida kids to get up here. Guys that fit that profile. We saw them going to Georgia last year, a lot more, no Florida. Um, Lyman is the first Florida guy that you know, we talked about last week. First Florida guy they've gotten since uh, the class of 2018. Um, but I think if there's anything they've learned about recruiting Florida, Georgia type of kids, they've got to make sure they're the right type of kids that fit up here. Cause we've seen a lot of guys come and go in this program quickly under the staff that maybe just don't fit into what's going on in Lincoln yeah you, you have to find the right kid and I, I think more times than not it's it's a mentally tough kid that that um, you know that their family's going to have an opportunity to get up to a game or two a year um, you know and, and it, because every kid I don't care where they're coming from there's going to be a point in time where things get tough and maybe they get homesick and and you know it's it's different in Nebraska than it is in Miami, obviously. Um, and there's going to be times where you're missing home a little bit, and and um, you know, and, or or where you got to change, you know, what you, what you're always, what you've always done or how you've always acted, maybe to to fit into the culture a little bit here. And um, you know, and those are those are not easy things to do for some kids. And uh, so if you're Nebraska, you got to find the right types of kids that are that are going to be mentally tough to to kind of go through some adversity and to maybe suck it up when it when the weather's not you know 90 degrees and 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 you know perfect out um and and so i think that that's one thing nebraska has probably learned a little bit is is okay yeah we, we can still recruit florida and we can we can get into georgia and alabama and and these areas but 
we have to make sure we're getting the right types of kids between the ears, uh, not just the right types of athletes. All right, I'm going to throw this out here to wrap it up. Uh, as far as numbers on defense, I mean, is it as simple as four D linemen, four linebackers, four secondary guys get twelve guys, or is it? I mean, how is it? How, how far off am I with that? Just hot take right there. Yeah, you know, I think I think you're not far off, really. Um, you could probably interchange a couple of those. numbers. It could be around. five and three on yeah. one end of the other. Yeah, but defensive line and inside linebacker, um, I, those are the two the two spots that are really, really big. So they need about 12 guys in eight then to wrap things up on defense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right around 12 guys. And, and like I said, I think, you know, defensive line, inside linebacker, those are the two really, really important spots. I mean, every spot's important, but those are the two positions, I think, that are probably a little bit more valued in this class than the others. All right, well, lots to follow. Make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com as Nate Klaus, Robin, and the entire team will have you up to date on everything Leading up here as Big Ten Media Days is approaching here as we'll we'll get you ready for that starting next week. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 